If money affects your life in any way, Money Making Sense will talk about it. Be financially healthy, wealthy, and wise. Here's your host, Heather Kelly. Welcome to Money Making Sense, the show that talks about all things money. Today, we are talking with an anti-financial advisor. This is a new one for me. It's Chris Miles, and he is a cash flow expert. So welcome to the show, Chris. Hey, it's a pleasure to be on. Appreciate you having me on, Heather. All right. First, tell us, what is an anti-financial advisor? (laughs) Well, long story short, I mean, uh, it's basically someone who's focused more on cash flow and creating financial freedom today versus putting it away forever, hoping that someday if you gamble in the stock market, you might have some money. Um, So I'm not a financial advisor anymore. I used to be. uh, 20 plus years ago, that actually used to be my profession. And that was my intent. And I did that for several years. But it really came to a head for me when I sat down with my father, right? My father was 61 years old. He's, you know, right at the head of the baby boomers. He was saying, I want to retire. And as I sat down with him and he did everything right, everything that, you know, you'd hear Dave Ramsey say on his show, right? Which is pay off your debt, you know, and, and save everything your 401k. My dad did it. In fact, my dad was probably Dave Ramsey's older brother that he really, you know, looked up to because my dad was that tightwad, right? He did everything right. And yet, as I looked at his finances, I said, Dad, if it weren't for Social Security, you better hope you die in five years because you will run out of money. Wow. He said, well, that's not what I want to hear. Well, what do I do? I said, I don't know. I, you did everything right according to what we as financial advisors teach. I don't know. And that sent me on a journey. And, and actually, funny enough, um, actually, it was a local radio station here in Utah. There were some real estate investors that were doing their show and and I got to meet friends that, that were involved that were real estate investors, actually financially free. When I learned I could actually become financially independent, meaning have enough passive income to be able to retire, um, I actually quit being a financial advisor. I never went back to teaching it again. Um, in fact, I vowed never to teach about money again. I just wanted to be a mortgage broker there and then figure out how to do real estate investing. And later that year, this is actually 2006, I was actually able to retire when I was 28 years old which was a weird place to be yeah. because how many 28 year old year olds get to hang out with other 28 year olds who are still working? You know, I didn't know what to do with my time. So eventually in 2007, I came out of retirement to teach people how to do what I did, which is to essentially get out of that rat race and, and that sort of thing. You're talking about 2007, 2008. So this is right as we're hitting that housing bubble that came to a crash. So did that mm-hmm. affect you in any way? Is that why you had to come out of retirement? When I came out of retirement, it actually wasn't for that reason, though. I actually came out because I, I'm just not the kind of person to sit around and do nothing. It, I actually get depressed if I just sit around and just enjoy life. <laughs> you know, I have to be up to something. So uh, so teaching people is something I've always enjoyed. Uh, you know, I had lots of interests. But I'll tell you, like, the interesting that thing that happens after we launched that business and uh, and we started getting things going, that's when the real estate market took a dive. Um, it affected our business because we're teaching real estate investors primarily. Um, it affected my own life because I actually started getting rid of real estate at that same time. So even though I wasn't hurt as much by the real estate, I was still impacted by the recession overall that I actually went from about millionaire to upside down millionaire, meaning I was over a million dollars in debt I was, between my business and my personal expenses. I was, I was short about 15, 16,000 a month. So I was at a place really rough, um, for a couple of years. You know, I was, I was on welfare even, you know, I was on food stamps. Trying to figure out how to, you know, you know, on church welfare, even just trying to figure out how to get through it all. And, uh, and I'll tell you, it's when you hit those lows, that's when you can hit the better, bigger highs, because it's the things you learn during those lows, those bad periods of times where you get resourced, right? 
And that's kind of what leads to the topic of this show about how to find money you didn't even know was there because I didn't file for bankruptcy, even though it would have been much easier if I had, but I didn't. I wanted to pay back the debts that I owed. You know, I did have to foreclose on a house, sold that off, sold off almost everything I owned and downsized. But over the years, I was able to not only get myself out of that debt hole, but I was also able to become once again financially independent by the end of 2016. Uh, where I had, again, more than enough income coming in that I didn't have to work actively for. It sounds like you set yourself up for, you had enough available to you that when you were in that hole, you could sell things off and and get out. But how do you anti-advise people who don't have the real estate market? They They don't have any cushion. And now with inflation going on, just to afford groceries, they have to put it on a credit card. And every month they're Mm -hmm. going deeper and deeper in debt on that credit card because there's not enough income coming in to make up for the difference in the cost of groceries and gas and everything else. Oh, I get it. I mean, even after I sold off the the house and stuff, I still had a half million of debt that I didn't have. So I was essentially about a half million dollars poorer than the homeless person on the street, right? I mean, I, I literally had no money. Um, it was very often that we would go to the grocery store. And of course, when you swipe that card, you think, Oh, I hope it goes through. I hope I'm not overdrawn, even beyond my overdraw limit. You know, all those kind of things. I was dealing with it. So I understand and I get it. And so how do you find that money? Well, here's what I had to do. One, I had to get brutally honest with myself. And the way you do that is you start tracking your money. And what's interesting is that, you know, when it's like air, when air is abundant and you never think about it, you never think about it. You never count the number of breaths you have until air runs out. It's the same with money. I started counting my money after it ran out. What I should have done has been a wise steward of my money the entire time. I should have been watching the income coming in, the expenses going out. And just understand it wasn't because I was, I was being overly, you know, frivolous. You know, I wasn't being, you know, having this lavish lifestyle or anything like that. Even if I was debt free, I still would have been in this situation, right? So even after the, you know, so-called debts were paid off, I was still in the hole because I was charging up the credit cards and they were maxed out and nobody would give me any more credit. So I had to start tracking my money. I had to start understanding what was really going in and out. And then what I do right there is I would try to find the unproductive expenses. What were the ones that were hurting me? Were there memberships that I didn't realize were coming out every month? Because they're just automatic. You know, how do we get rid of the things? My, my, my mantra is if you're not going to use it, lose it. Right. <laughs> right. Um, you know, so get rid of that stuff. Um, you know, I did have to downsize a house. You know, I got a you know a house that was had a rent that was about a quarter of what my mortgage payment was. And that I had to get really lean and mean. I don't believe you should live on rice and beans, as some people would teach. Right. I don't think you should live out of a cardboard box necessarily. But I mean, I had to really prioritize what was really important. What was the essentials? And this is true. In my business, as well as my personal life, is really whittling that down. And at the same time, finding ways to increase my income. Um, and that's one of the things I teach. Uh, I have an ebook. It's called Beyond Rice and Beans, Seven Secrets to Free Up Cash Today. That's on moneyripples.com. Um, one of the things I teach, of course, is that you, know, you can't just reduce expenses. You need to increase income. One thing that I, I learned pretty early on, and this has actually helped me get out of this. I'm now a multimillionaire. Like I'm, I'm financially independent again. But the real core principle that helps you do that, that's eternal, it never changes, is that dollars follow value. The dollars follow the value you create for other people. So even if you work a nine to five job and you feel like you're stuck there, I've had many clients where they had a W-2 type of job. They said, well, I get paid hourly. For example, I had one one client, uh, he made $15 an hour. And I said, 
just go to your employer or your manager and ask them, what can I do that will create value for you in a way that will merit me a raise? What can I do? And the boss said, well, if you do these three things, we can visit that. We can look at getting you a raise. So he did. He put his focus, did exactly what the boss asked for, went back to him and said, I did what you asked. Now what? He said, well, I'm giving you a raise, but I'm not going to do it again. Well, a few months later, it goes by. His boss walks by his office, does a little backpedal, goes back and says, how much are we paying you again? This much. Great, I'm going to give you a raise. So he gives him a second raise. And then I said, just keep doing this. Just keep figuring out how you can keep creating value for them. How do you make that business owner happy? And doing, really, essentially helping them build their business, helping them grow. You know, even if it's just working as a cameraman, that's what he was doing for his job. Well, next thing you know, he ends up getting up for a promotion. He was looking at changing, you know, careers within that company internally. Got him another raise. This guy went from $15 an hour in a year and a half to about $27 an hour. And he nearly doubled his income just by asking the question, how can I serve you? And that's what it really comes down to. If you want to make more money, and that's the only thing to fight inflation right now, is if you want to make more money, you've got to figure out what you can do to be valuable to other people. That is the inflation hedge that always works. Find ways to always be more valuable to the people you work for, your business, your customers, your clients. Always look for ways to solve problems or add value in such a way, serve them in such a way that money is just a natural byproduct. I like that. <laughs> we do need to take a break. When we come back, we'll discuss seven secrets to freeing up cash that you may not know you had with Chris Miles. He is an anti-financial advisor. Welcome back to Money Making Sense, the show that affects your life in any way money-wise. We're talking about it. And today we're talking about how to find money you didn't know you had. And I would love to find some extra money. Joining me is Chris Miles. He is a cash flow expert, but you also call yourself an anti-financial advisor. And that's the funniest thing I've heard. I love it. I mean, I love <laughs> the principle behind that, but that was so funny when I heard that. You have been telling us a little bit about the seven secrets to freeing up our cash, which I'm guessing is part of that, you know, finding this cash we didn't know we had. So you mentioned two in the first segment. Can you just review those really fast and then we can move on to the other five? Absolutely. Yeah. The financial, you know, you know, financial advisors never talk about cash flow and ways to help your life now. And that's the key thing, right? So that, that first one really is tracking your money, tracking income and expenses understanding how much is really coming in and how much is going out, and then eliminate destructive or even consumptive expenses to some level, right? Don't get to the point of being dirt cheap. Don't don't uh, just destroy your life because you're trying to be cheap. Don't do that. But I do recommend that you, you definitely become a wiser steward of your money. Yeah, there's a lot of times people just go on autopilot. They just never remember. They don't see those, whether it's memberships coming out. I mean, I've, I've had people that sometimes it's just, you know, other spending too, right? It could be something as simple as like their cable. And maybe they're like, oh, why am I paying $300 a month or $200 a month as cable when I could be streaming instead, right? Yeah. Or, you know, could I be driving less or, you know, or could I be doing something more like food? Food is a big cost. We find a lot of times with people with eating out or groceries. And again, I'm not about not eating out, enjoying your life, but doing it with wisdom. That it's funny. I had one woman. She's out in Silicon, out in Silicon Valley, California. She was spending, and I kid you not, five thousand six hundred a month on eating out costs <gasps> alone. Just both she and her husband were doing the spending. 
Yeah, yeah, they were. They were, uh, and they were spending a lot on groceries too. Uh, that was the crazy thing because they had a one of their one of their kids was wanted to be a chef, and so they were buying all this food, and they really weren't using it. They just weren't being wise with it. And after we got them to cut back, the um, funny thing is, I I got them to cut back to eating out to only quote unquote a thousand dollars a month. And, uh, and then we, of course, tighten up their, their grocery bill. The crazy thing is they end up saving roughly about 5000 a month just in food costs alone. And then we did some of these other things we'll talk about here, too, like tax savings and things like that, that freed up about 70000 or so a year. So that's, so that's the thing. Like, you can really do that. All right. So we've got track our money, eliminate excess spending. What's number three on our list? Yeah, number two is increased income. Uh, number three, oh, since I already said it, I really build it, uh, taxes. Uh, look for ways to reduce your taxes. If you're a business owner, there are a lot of ways to do it, more than I can probably share with you right now because not everybody's a business owner, but just know there's some great ways and we share it on our Money Ripples podcast. But even if you're not a business owner, you don't have a whole lot of tax write-offs, but are you getting a tax return each year? Because if you're getting a tax return, it means that you overpaid on your taxes. So just recently, we met with a client where she was getting a return of roughly about $6,700. And I said, you just overpaid about 550 bucks a month. And she was paycheck to paycheck. I said, here's what you need to do. Go to your accountant, ask him, say, what can I increase those exemptions to? You know, the exemption you mark on your payroll form. What can I increase it to, to where I don't get, get a, uh, get a return next year? Or maybe it's like a couple hundred dollars that I get back. Find out what that number is. Change that on your tax return, on your, on your W-4 form at your work. And now you'll start getting about $550 more a month coming in that then you could use to accelerate paying down your debt. You can use it to just save up your savings account. Maybe you don't have a good enough emergency fund because inflation has been wiping it out. You can actually create a better buffer to ensure that you're being wiser with that money, get that money back every month versus waiting till next year to get that money back. So that's one way you can do it with taxes. So that's number three. What's number four? Number four, since I already said debt, let's talk about debt, right? That's always a fun one, especially in the state of Utah, right? But uh, debt's interesting. Here's what I'll say about debt. Don't fear debt but respect it. Debt is not to be feared. Uh, if debt were so evil, BYU would not offer student loans. I'm just saying. Um, it's not always a bad thing. And there's even leaders in this area that have even said there's different reasons that it's good to go into debt, but you don't want to get out of control, right? The real, the real stress of debt is not the balance as much as it is the payment. The monthly payment is what keeps you in bondage. So when I was still a net half a million dollars of debt, no cash or anything to use, I had to find ways to pay off that debt. I started prioritizing what would be the best debt to pay off. Most people would tell you either pay off the lowest balance or the highest interest rate. I'm going to say this. Ignore the interest rate. Don't focus on the interest rate. That is not the number one determining factor that creates stress in your life. It is the payment that's creating the stress. If you can get that, those payments under control, that's better. Uh, this is why I often encourage people, even if they can't afford a, a, a bigger payment, still do a 30-year fixed mortgage instead of like a 10 or 15-year. Because if something goes wrong in your life and that payment still at large payments required, that's going to create a lot of stress in your life. So if you're going to pay off your mortgage in 10 or 15 years, get a 30 year mortgage, but then add extra to it. Right. But don't be required to make that payment. Also, there's a cool little formula that I use called the cash flow index. And this is something I created when about 2008 when I was in the deepest debt. The cash flow index is this. You take the balance of the loan and you divide it by the minimum monthly payment and you'll get a number. So for example, say that you have two $10,000 loans. One's a credit card, that's $200 a month. The other one's a car loan, that's $10,000 at $500 a month. Now, almost everybody in the financial space, even financial advisors will tell you, 
pay off that credit card because you don't want that high interest credit card. And and it's true, it's high interest. But here's the problem: if you use, if all you had was ten thousand dollars, you pay off the credit card, you do free up two hundred dollars a month, but you still have to pay the five hundred dollar a month car loan. If you want to create less stress in your life, instead take the ten thousand, pay off that five hundred dollar car loan, regardless, even if the interest rate's four percent, pay it off because that five hundred dollars gives you options, it gives you more breathing space. And you can always take the extra 500, pay it on the credit card, and still pay it off within a year anyways. The interest is almost negligible. But you create more safety in your financial situation when you do it that way. So that's four, respect our debt. What is number five? Number five, let's talk about passive income, right? So number six uh, is just get rid of duplicate insurances or unnecessary type of things that way. Uh, very often I'll find people, even in their own paychecks, they'll have things coming out like, uh, for example, have accidental death and dismemberment insurance. Now, don't sue me, of course, if all of a sudden someone dies of an accident and you got rid of it. I still recommend having life insurance. But when people get accidental death and dismemberment, you have to die, you know, accidentally to get paid out. You pay money for something that may not really ever happen. Or with life insurance, it's guaranteed to happen. We will all die someday. That's the one we have the one guarantee, death and taxes, right? So get life insurance. But avoid some of these duplicate insurances. Sometimes people get supplemental plans. Maybe we get like cancer you know, plans and things like that that are sold by insurance companies that really aren't necessary. Get the basic, get the essentials, have health insurance, have disability, have life insurance, but get rid of all the extra. Oh, and here's a cool tip too. You have your auto policy or your homeowner's policy. One great way to free up cash on that to save a little bit of money is increase your deductible. Now, here's the key tip. You got to make sure you have a savings account. I do recommend everybody has an emergency fund that at least... Yeah three to six months or building up to that. But if you increase deductibles on your auto plan, for example, maybe it's at $250, increase it to 500 or a thousand, and you'll realize that your premium will drop significantly. Yeah. And so that's one great way to save some money very quickly. Yeah. Just make sure you have that 500 or a thousand dollars in your savings. So if you do have an auto accident, you can pay the deductible. But yeah, I do that. I have the higher deductible and then have yeah. lower monthly payments on my car insurance. Exactly. And you can do that with health health plans, but just like you said, exactly it is that you need to make sure you have that savings account. You got to have that savings in place to ensure you can cover those expenses. Okay. And number seven, and then we can go back to your passive income. Yep. Well, number seven is passive income, right? Oh. So that's what everybody wants. They always want something that's nice and fun. It's, it's the offense when we were talking about defense strategies before. Well, passive income is interesting. This is where you can get your money to work for you. So many times people will have money sitting around in savings, or maybe you have it trapped in IRAs or whatever it might be, somewhere where I call it you get your money in prison. Uh, here's a key bonus tip. Um, 401ks. I'm not saying you, you get necessarily get rid of your 401ks. Every situation is different. But I've had people actually stop contributing to 401ks, use that money instead, start generating more income today, right? Um, for example... You know, passive income investing. Now, I don't talk about gambling with your money. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the stock market at all. I don't think you should be um, putting, you know, borrowing money to put into mutual funds or trying to put a lot of money into those kind of things. You might be gambling your money away that you have no control over. But I do things like real estate investing. But I don't buy real estate. I, I'll be honest. I don't buy real estate anywhere in the western half of the United States. You know, not even in Utah. Um, prices are too high. Rents are too low. I don't buy it here. I look for cash flowing assets. I like real assets, things that are tangible in value, not fake stuff, you know, like the cryptos and the stocks of the world, right? Yeah. I like real tangible assets. So I'll, I'll buy things out in like North Carolina. Now, do I property manage it? Nope. 
I don't. I, I buy what's called from turnkey real estate companies where there's companies that actually will help you find the property in certain areas. Then you can actually buy it. They'll property manage it for you. So you're not dealing with the tenants, the toilets, or the trash, but you get paid the profits after they, they pay your property management fee. Um, it's not too uncommon even today, even after the rising interest rates, that can make at least a, what's called a 10% cash on cash return. Meaning that if I put $30,000 down on a property, I'm net profiting $3,000 a year. Many people would die for a 10% return steadily in the stock market, which has only been about 7.6% the last 30 years. They would like something better. I get paid that return, but I also don't pay tax on that money because of depreciation. So I get to keep the money, not pay taxes. The renters are paying down my mortgage for me. And if there's any appreciation, which is a bonus, great, I make money. But the key is I'm making profits. Just to put in the way I understood that, if you put your $30,000 down on a house and then you rent it mm -hmm. out, after you've paid the management company, you're actually making $33,000 in income, but you have to take out your 30000 Is that? $250 a month or $3,000 a year. After you've okay. paid, you're paid your mortgage payment, you've paid the property management fees, everything's paid off, you're left with about $250 a month from that $30,000. All right. Yeah, I just wanted to put it in the monthly terms. And there's and there's lots of ways you can do that. You don't have to own property. There's, you know, there's people that borrow money to go and invest and do things that way. There's funds that you make 10 plus percent double digit returns in, oil and gas. I've made money in that. It's been nice. If I have to pay more at the gas pump, I might as well profit from it. Self-storage units. Um, again, I don't have to do any of this. Somebody else is managing it. They're helping me purchase it where I go with other investors to finance it, right? So I become more like the bank and I get paid returns based on that. Nice. Okay. So that was our secrets to freeing up cash. And that's one, those are ways that you can free up money or find money that you didn't know that you had. So you had a, a book, you called it Beyond Rice and Beans, so people can get that if they need to. Are you able to help give anti-financial advice to people around the country or only in Utah? Yeah, not just around the country. We even have clients in Australia, England, Canada. I mean, so yeah, we can definitely give advice from really mostly in the U.S., but even some countries around the world. Where would people go to find you and seek help? Yeah, you can always go to moneyripples.com. There's lots of education on there, including that free ebook you can download. There's also you know, lots of information that way. You can also follow our podcast, the Money Ripples podcast on YouTube or iTunes. Uh, we've got TikTok and Instagram, all that good stuff. All right. Well, Chris Miles, you are a cash flow expert and an anti-financial advisor. I, I really like that title. And uh, again, we can find you at moneyripples.com. And thank you so much for just giving us a few tips on how we can find a bit more money. It's been an absolute honor. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. You can email me with any questions or topics you want to hear about at hkelly at ksl.com. That's h-k-e-l-l-y at ksl.com. And because this is Money Making Sense, you can subscribe for free on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts, and you'll never miss another episode. Thanks for being a Money Making Sense listener. Follow your common sense on the social media, Money Making Sense, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.